Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined this week by Stu. Hello. And just another two-man little fireside chat this week. Um, yeah. Warm ourselves, fireside therapy session. Warm ourselves by the fire after a, a sad, soggy weekend in Russia. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think to start with, there was a good race in Russia. To, yeah. in, in a season where we've had good races in Barcelona and um, at Port Ricard. Well, I think we've had lots and lots and lots of good races this season, but I think that stood out as actually one of the best races this season at, in a season of good races. At absolutely at circuit, the worst circuit. <laughs> yeah, like the, the circuit you would least expect it. It just shows you how whenever there's precipitation, mm-hmm. there's... I'm trying to think of something clever Even, that rhymes with precipitation. That, you've set yourself so, a heck of a like, challenge and, there. And to, yeah, yeah. Even before the rain, though, like that was just a very entertaining race. I, the, yeah. this se- it really is the season that keeps on giving. Mm. Um, where are we going to start? Chris? We've, we've, where, we've, how, how are you going to take this one out of the station? Then? We've got. We've got to start with Lando. I, I think. The, the word I've seen on the internet the most since that race is the word heartbreak, which is, it's, I've, I've felt emotions watching that race. I've never felt watching Formula One before. Like it was such a roller coaster and yeah, it was, it was a tough one to watch. Um, I think, you know, even we're not going to pretend for a second that we're impartial here. We're all Lando and Norris fans, but I think even yeah, at, I think that's safe to even say. as a neutral, like you've everybody felt for that guy there. Um, I guess let's let's start with the positives. Um, took his first pole position in sort of changeable conditions on Saturday. Um, it was half a second clear of signs, um, which was I mean he's he's been sort of threatening a pole position for most of this season, hasn't he? Um, yeah, so like great. I mean, it should have. It's the pole position that he should have had in Belgium, but didn't get. Or Imola, the or Imola. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that McLaren's especially. You know, when the conditions are just right, that McLaren has got the goods mm-hmm. to sort of be right up there. I think with the. Well, I mean, we saw it was up. It, it did the business. It was up there with the Red Bull and the and the Mercedes. Yeah. Um, there's no denying that. I think when conditions are just right, then they're absolutely in the mix. They've got this, and it's virtue of the fact that they've got the Mercedes engine it this year. If they didn't have that, I think. Might, but then at the same time, they've got amazing downforce, and they've got you know a really yeah. good aero package on that car. That they've got elements on that car that are not really available to other teams because of the way they've done the fuser. So there's just so much about it that's that's right, and it's almost a shame that we're going to a completely new aero formula yeah. because I think if they had one more season, they might actually be in the mix with it properly in the mix in normal conditions mm-hmm. for a season. But because even last year, know. like changeable conditions in, um, in Portugal signs just drove away from everyone. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that car definitely likes those conditions. And I think Lando has proven himself to be one of the better wet weather drivers on the grid as well. Like, mm. you know, obviously, in this race, it was the wet weather that was his undoing. But like, like in those conditions in qualifying, when it was like very much on the edge of inters and softs, and at the phase during the race when it was that phase, well, like he was so good in those conditions. Um, 
I mean, obviously he lost the lead at the start. He, he was clearly the faster car in that first phase. It took him 13 laps to get back past Sainz. Um, yeah, and he was the faster car of the two running at the front. It was hard to tell because everyone else was stuck behind Russell at that point. Um, yeah, the drag car that Russell Yeah, <laughs> the straight line machine that is the Williams. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, once, once Norris took the lead, he was very much in control of that race. Um, like, the, the only time anybody really outpaced him was when Hamilton was able to get into second in some clear air. And yeah, there was not much I think anyone could have done to uh, answer Hamilton's pace at that point. Um, yeah, but also I think I think Norris might have been doing a bit of time management at that point as well. He was also having to do quite a lot of fuel saving I've read since as well. Oh, really? Yeah, so that played a part in it. Mm, that'll do it. I think, yeah, time management, fuel saving, and you've got someone who's on the verge of winning 100 races exactly, at yeah. that point in time, chasing you down. Um, that's no mean feat. He's done a good job there. Yeah. And, you know, Hamilton, as you could sort of, you can predict with this era of formula, once Hamilton got to sort of within a second and a half, he struggled to get any closer. Um, you know, yeah. and, and Norris did everything he needed to to, like, keep that gap he was fast out of the corners he needed to be to keep him out of DRS if I, I think Hamilton maybe got DRS once during that whole phase if I remember correctly like mm. Norris was doing a really good job of like holding him just at that kind of arm's length he needed to so, yeah arm's length is the is exactly the phrase yeah isn't it it's just like keeping him just just far enough away to uh to keep things sensible. Um, and Hamilton himself said, like, if it had stayed dry, he doesn't think he'd be able to um, find an answer to that. Mm, Which is easy to say I when you've know. just won the race yeah. and you're trying to console the guy that you beat, perhaps. But yeah, I don't know about that. I think, I mean, Hamilton said it, so I guess you've got to go with what he's saying. But I, w- I was feeling, as someone who wanted Norris to win, I was feeling. My heart sank when I saw how quickly Hamilton was catching him because he was taking like yeah. massive chunks. It was like se- more than a second a lap, yeah, well easily. over a second a lap out. Um, but like once he got in that sort of dirty air, I was actually starting to feel quite confident. Like it didn't look like he could do much in the right bits of the track because there's only really two, you know, t- two similarly paced cars in the dry. There's only really two overtaking spots on that track, and the McLaren had the advantage in those places. So it was looking, it was looking pretty good. I mean, you can never discount Hamilton pulling something out of the bag that you wouldn't expect, but it was looking good for him. Um, and I th- looking good for Norris. For Norris, yeah. And like, I guess before we get into where it all went wrong, like, yeah, let's hold off on that for a second. <laughs> I think like Norris has had several podiums this season like he's been mm-hmm. there or thereabouts in qualifying as we've mentioned but i thought this race like he'd only ever led one lap of a grand prix until this race but he just looked like someone who was very much like comfortable and used to leading grand prix like he looked so in control he looked like someone who yeah belongs there at the front didn't he like it was such an he assured did, yeah, yeah he definitely like yeah he looked Confident. You could see it in the driving style, mm-hmm. the confidence. There was no mistake. Because often, like, when someone's under that kind of pressure, they'll be locking wheels, they'll be, 
you know, sliding out of corners. There'll be lots of little, little, tiny little mistakes that micro mistakes almost that you can see. You as saw they it go from Ocon in Hungary. Like as good as that drive was, there were here and there just little, little mistakes here and Shakes. there. Yeah, with the pressure yeah. of Vettel behind him. Um, but yeah, not really any of that. Um, no. And like, it it doesn't leave me in any doubt that the win for him is coming. Like sooner or later, it is going to come. Like the cars are going the right direction. He's definitely going in the right direction. Um, yeah. Like I saw someone point out, this is now all three of the 2019 rookies have come incredibly close to winning a race only to have it cruelly taken away from them. Like yeah. we've obviously had Norris now, yes. Russell in Bahrain last year. And then we yeah. had um, Albon in Austria who was looking very good for the win until uh, Hamilton punted him off into the gravel. Yeah, in Brazil. Brazil and uh, Austria actually it happened twice, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, Banter. And yeah, like it, it's... <laughs> And I remember what I was saying in Norris and Russell's first season F1 as well, and kind of coming out of their F2 campaign, that at the point they joined F1, Russell was very much the more complete driver, I think. And as much as they landed mm-hmm. in very different teams, I think Russell probably hit the ground running in F1 more than yeah, Norris. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he had the... You think Russell more than Norris hit the ground running? Yeah, in their first season in F1, for sure. I think that's easy to say though, because Norris was in a cow of heaps more pressure than what. This is very true, yeah. Russell this is had. very, very true. Like he had science for a teammate who was very experienced mm-hmm. at that point, and you know he was still a solid. Russell was still a solid driver in that first season. I don't think I don't think there was that much between them, to be honest. I think it was less than what you. Yeah, maybe between. for me, but from, in my own opinion, I think either way, there's definitely even less between them now. Like Norris has. Oh yeah. The way Norris has evolved over these first couple of years in F1 is, it's very impressive. Like, he's a very complete, well, there's still some rough edges and it's easy to forget that he's, what, 21? Yeah. He's still got some yeah. learning to do and this weekend will have been an enormous learning experience for him. Um, oh, yeah. But sometimes drivers need that. Like, it's, it's different um, circumstances and different things at stake, but you can't help being reminded of Hamilton's first season in F1 where he yeah. was on the way to the title and dropped it in the gravel at the pit entry in China. And like, mm-hmm. as devastating as that moment was, I think that is a big thing that shapes the driver he became over the next few years. Yeah, I think so. I think definitely all the... When you look back over recent years and, and the really, really big drivers, you look at Vettel when he went into the back of his teammate in, uh, was that China uh, or Malaysia? It, might, it was yeah, Malaysia. Yeah, I think it might have been. Um, and obviously that, that had a huge impact on him as well. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember him being really upset and it obviously caused a lot of upset within the team. And um, then I think a season later, it might have been, yeah, it was the next season he went on to win for Alf. For Toro Rosso, yeah, at 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 Monza. So yeah, these there's def- I can definitely see Norris learning a lot from this, and like all the greats do, and coming out of it as an even stronger, even more mature, even more well-rounded driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the same thing happened to Russell last year when yeah, he, absolutely. You know, when when he came out of, when he came off the back of that sort of 
twice an early race win in <laughs> yeah. one race. Um, he came into, I think he came out of that a much sort of more rounded, mm-hmm. stronger driver as well, and with a much clearer head. So yeah, these these lessons are kind of like it's. They grow up, I think, a bit. Don't yeah, they, from, I think so. From these kinds of situations, I definitely so think so. I expect, I fully expect that to see to see that with Norris. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so where did it? Where did go it go wrong? wrong? So. <laughs> so when the rain came, um, the, the the Hamilton and Norris had been pretty well matched on lap times in the lead up to it. Uh, lap 48 was when Mercedes initially called Hamilton in um, and he mm-hmm. opted to stay out. Norris was ever so slightly faster than Hamilton that lap. Then lap 49, uh, Norris actually improved by two seconds um, on lap 49. Because um, hmm. uh, the rain actually like kind of backed off a little bit. It slowed yeah, down it a little did. bit, which is probably where I think the decisions Norris made came from. Because like I say, he found two seconds on that lap, um, way more than Hamilton uh, found. Um, but Hamilton opted to pit at the end of lap 49. Then lap 50, Norris suddenly loses five seconds, still opted to stay out. Then obviously lap 51 is where he went off track, lost the lead, finally pitted, dropped him to seventh. Yeah. Um, and it's... We should start by saying it's really easy to sit here a day later with the benefit of hindsight, analyze everything that happened and say, this is where it went wrong. Like when you're in the moment making these decisions, it's, it's, it's a level of difficulty. You can't even fathom sat in our chairs here right now. Yeah. To be honest, I thought up until, up until he went off the track, I thought it was on the right tire. Mm. And there's, there's one rule Rule number one in and you know what you know exactly <laughs> what I'm gonna say, Chris. Rule number one in any motorsport, not just Formula One, any form of motorsport, is be on the right tire for the conditions. Yeah. Hundred percent. The difficulty of that obviously that's a much more difficult rule to follow when you're leading a race and you've got a seven time world champion mm-hmm. behind you. Um I think Hamilton had a lot less to Hamilton had a much easier situation through that whole thing because Hamilton was able to he knew they know there's a big gap behind there's like 40 second gap Mm -hmm. behind him and I think a pit stop here costs around about 30-ish seconds less in in the wet probably 30 yeah in the wet yeah yeah uh, more than that in the wet actually probably more than it's it's about I think most I think they were saying 24 25 seconds in the Mm. early phase of the race so Okay, so 24, 25 seconds. Either way, much less than 40. <laughs> yeah. So he was. if he came out, it was always, whether or not he's going to win the race, he's still going to finish ahead of his team. His fight is with Verstappen, mm-hmm. who at that point is down in seventh. Yeah. And he's still got a big gap to the what, the, other, the other Red Bull that was running in third at that in that moment, I yeah, believe. Yeah, it was. Um, so he can just hang back and wait and see what Norris does. As, as it happened, he... The conditions got so bad for him that it was like, you know what? Why am I risking this? I'll just—it's better if I just come in. And he, that that was definitely his own thought process because Hamilton was told already by the team to go in, and he ignored it. And then he decided himself, actually, this is where. Well, the team implored him, but obviously he would have made that ultimate decision. He's driving the car; he yeah. makes the decision to go into the pit lane. 
Um, and Norris, unfortunately, just didn't have that luxury. Norris was had the opportunity of getting his, his first race win in Formula mm-hmm. One. The pressure on Norris is so much more at that point than what it is on Hamilton because he's got the guy two seconds behind him down the road. So if he pits, he's definitely out of the lead of the race. And then he's given up track position then as well, which is the second rule of Formula One is always take track position. Yep. So he he was just stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I, I think whatever he did, he was going to always come off worse. I don't think there was a situation once it started raining where given the factors at play, I don't think Norris could have won that race if he'd pitted. Mm, I th- it's tricky. It's hard It's hard to say for sure. Because another disadvantage McLaren were at was that so Bottas was the first person to pit for Inters. He, he was nowhere at that point. From his point of view, might as well gamble. He came in on lap 47 for Inters. Um, so Mercedes could straight away see Bottas pretty much in clean air on Inters. They could see the pace that was possible on them. Um, Ricardo only came in a lap later on lap 48, but Ricardo came out kind of in a gaggle of other cars. So McLaren couldn't really read much from Ricardo in order yeah. to help Norris, which is another disadvantage they had. Um, that being said, if if there's if I have one like criticism where I think as a team they could have done better. If you listen to the Mercedes pit radio, they tell Lewis to come in and he's like, no, I don't think that's right. The next lap, they're like, we definitely think it's time to come in. You should pit, box, 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 get in. It's Inter's time. Other people are doing it. Hamilton's like, okay, comes on in. McLaren, with basically the same information, like every team has exactly the same um, weather information these days. Yes, they didn't have the immediate data from the teammate, but they could see what Bottas was doing. They could see what Verstappen was doing. And he got to that next lap and McLaren was still like, "Mm, what do you think? What do you want to do? And Norris at that point is leading the race. And at that moment in time, the rain at the bit of track he's on doesn't look so bad. So he says, I'll stay out. And I think in that moment, it was missing a bit of decisiveness from McLaren. I think the McLaren pit wall should have had the the confidence and the conviction to say, no, we can see what's happening here you need to come in. And I think if there's yeah. if, if you can criticise anything, and I agree with you that it was a near impossible situation for them and maybe they were going to lose that race regardless. If you can criticise anything, it was probably that. And I think as much as we've said Norris is going to learn a lot from this experience, I think the team are going to learn a lot from it as well and will probably change I think the they procedures. Got, they got really unlucky. I yeah. think if that rain had been even a little bit, sort of, a little bit less bad... Or sooner then, or later. <laughs> yeah, then then Norris wins that race. Yeah. I think even if you know, even if Norris decides to stay out and, and if he doesn't go if he doesn't get so wet that they that the that the dry tires can't do anything, which is that's how wet it got. The tires just completely cool down, harden up, and you've got absolutely zero grip and you're aquaplaning and going off, which is what happened to Norris. If if that rains only slightly better then there's enough grip on that track for Norris to nurse it mm-hmm. to the end and and everyone else can pit yeah. around him if he stays out he's, he might not lose he might just 
cling on to the lead and not lose the 30 second lead that he had. But it, it was just, it was ever so slightly over that balance of, well, I mean, it got to full wet, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so by the end, like, and then like, you know, 10 minutes after the race, it was dry. Yeah, out. exactly. So, it, it, so, so, so horrendously unlucky that I literally cannot believe what I saw. No. But at the same time, the rule is, I'll say, I'll, you know, I will keep saying it probably throughout this podcast today. Be on the correct, the golden rule is be on the correct tyre for the conditions. And I agree with you that the team just didn't quite do enough to force the issue with with Norris and say no you abs- we need you in on this lap if you're good if you've even got a chance of winning this race then you've got to come in and and even if then they do lose the position to Hamilton and even if they do end up racing on track at least they're not languishing down the order and back in the mix with all the other other teams you know yeah like and you know maybe they got a little especially after the last race maybe it was like a little bit of like it's happened again, we're going to win kind of thing. You know, they maybe didn't quite have their eye on the big picture as much in the excitement of it. Like, And, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, Lando being inexperienced in this kind of situation, whatever, like as much as McLaren are a historic team and have won championships and won races and stuff and been in these situations before as a team, I can't imagine there's many of the personnel there that were around the last time McLaren were in these kind of positions so like yeah maybe it's new but to, like also, like, it's like, not just new to the hold drivers on though well let chris 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 let's not pretend that mclaren are the plucky oh no of, no not know. at all but because they ain't there's a there's a lot of money and a lot of personnel no. a lot of expertise in that team they're not you know they're not has but it's also <laughs> like they have a lot less experience of winning races in recent years than Mercedes do, put it that way. like, Yeah, that's fair to say. That is fair to say. But at the same time, I, I, I just can't subscribe to the idea that they... I guess I guess what I'm saying is a win, a win means something different to McLaren than it does to Mercedes in, in the positions yeah. they currently are. And maybe that, that kind of affects your judgment in the situation but again we're like we're like armchair yeah race yeah, engineering sure. like, again and it's you know it's so easy to sit here you know a day later and and say this this that should have happened because at the end of the day when when you're when you're in the frying pan like that and it's all happening and no one really knows what's going on at that point no one knows how long that rain's going to gonna last mm-hmm. you it just the risks involved in making that pit stop that late in the race as well if something goes wrong in the pit stop yeah. you know then 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 we're then we're on the podcast saying oh if only they'd let him stay mm-hmm. out you know so they, they really couldn't win they just could not win in that situation like, i think whatever they did they were gonna put themselves in jeopardy and unfortunately they just paid the ultimate price like to go back to your golden rule you keep saying like they they failed at being on the right tire for essentially one lap and that one lap was mm. the difference between winning the race yeah. and finishing seventh which is yeah tough i don't know it's a cruel sport at times it's a very cruel sport so what do you think happens if if norris pits obviously hamilton was always going to do the opposite of what norris was going to do mm-hmm. so if norris 
takes that chance and pits, comes in, gets the intermediate tyres, comes out ahead of Perez down the road and is, what, five seconds a lap quicker, six, seven seconds a lap quicker than Hamilton is. Hamilton stays out. Same thing happens to Hamilton. Hamilton retires. And it is crucial for Hamilton to finish the race. So there's a Norris there's wasn't a line really his thinking. race at that point. Weirdly, like, yeah, I mean, he, well, Hamilton's not—he's a racer, of course. He wants to well, yeah, yeah. want to win the race if he can win the race. But, but big picture wise, big picture wise, like Hamilton was never gonna fight him that hard for it if he yeah. if he did take the risk. If it, <sighs> especially in the wet. Again, it's really—you know—you shouldn't. We shouldn't criticize, but I. I must say, I do think there was a little, it, it's probably a little bit harsh, but definitely a lack of, I guess what we're getting at is a bit of a lack of composure from McLaren in the situation because of the excitement. Potentially, Because of yes. the chance that, and that's, but that's so harsh to say. It like, is. I'm not and saying it's, that. It's... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying there was a lack of composure, but. Maybe less composure than a team like Mercedes has in that situation, given the experience Mercedes have of navigating then, those sort of situations. But now I'm flip-flopping. Now I'm like, but how can you possibly be that composed in that situation? Well, it was it's, so it's all relative, isn't it? It's all very yeah, it relative. Was so topsy-turvy. I, 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 keep, you know, I keep saying all this stuff, but I just keep landing on... They were just really, really bloody unlucky. And that's kind of what it always comes back to, isn't it? Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of luck in in racing, and there's a lot of luck in world championships mm-hmm. as well. And unfortunately for Norris, I think you know the the way of sort of wrapping up the sort of Norris McLaren situation here is just is really is just to say they got really badly unlucky, and that and that was that's really all you can say. Yeah. Cruel, cruel, cruel sport. <laughs> cruel. Cruel sport, um, yeah, indeed. What else happened? So, we should mention Lewis Hamilton's 100th win. They finally got to use all those graphics that I've had queued up for months now. Mm. Um, it was it, it seemed to yeah. take a long time to get there, but he, I mean, like, what can you say? 100 wins is like unfathomable. You just like you run out of superlatives. Can't even say it. <laughs> run out of superlatives, don't you? It's just impossible to i i for a long time i didn't think would ever see a driver reach 100 wins i think it's it's crazy to think that he's managed to achieve it it's it's such a big deal um, i don't think it'll be matched i i think for it to be matched it'd have to it'd take a lot of it take just the ultimate dominance again to to match it. I think given that we're having more and more races, then maybe in I think it'd be a long. It probably will be matched eventually again, but it'll be a long time. Well, Schumacher's records always looked just impossible, and yeah, most of them are gone now, if not all of them at this point. Yeah. Well, the gap between like Schumacher's record of race wins and then but well, Schumacher's previous record yeah. of race wins and then the the gap below, I think there's something like. 30 odd Frost, I think, is third, that? is it, if I remember rightly? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, it's not even Just... close. Um I mean, it was kind of a poor weekend for Hamilton in a lot of ways. Like a lot of mistakes in qualifying, 
not least of which yeah. putting it into the pit wall on the way in, um, which yeah, kind of really lucky with that he one. did, yeah. But that kind of led to him having to compromise his final uh, qualifying attempt, which led to a poor grid slot. He lost places at the start. He sort of didn't make a ton of progress early doors, but like it reminded me in a lot of ways of the Turkish Grand Prix last year. Actually, like he, he was sort of not nowhere, but he was not really doing a whole lot for a lot of the Out race. Of yeah. And then the second that bit of opportunity presented itself, he just came alive and just, I mean, the, the pace he had once he was in second and in clear air was unbelievable. Like you said earlier, he was mm. taking like seconds a lap out of everybody else. Yeah. Well, he was stuck in that DRS train train, yeah. wasn't he, behind, behind Norris. They were all sort of trying to find their way around Norris. But Norris himself said... Russell, you mean. Sorry, Russell. <laughs> Um, thank you. Um, but Russell himself said after qualifying that his car's set up for straight line speed and they were like something like 15, more than 15 Ks quicker than any other car yeah. down the straight. And as soon as when I heard him say that, I thought, Ooh, spicy. <laughs> yeah. like, this is going to be an interesting race tomorrow. And sure enough, like, he, you know, he held onto his position, somehow held onto his position yeah. through, through the first complex of corners. And then, yeah, was just holding off the rest of the pack for... Well, really, until the first phase of pit stops, wasn't it? Yeah, like he he literally predicted his race beforehand. He said, like, like say, he said, like, we've got this straight line speed. I'll hold the position until the pit stops, and then I'll get done by everybody through the pit stop phase. That's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. Still held on for um, points. Uh, his fourth points finish in five races now. Um, which you called it as soon as you got the first points. You said like they're gonna sort of keep tumbling through now, and keep and he, and he yeah. did. Which you mentioned as well. He's qualifying performance as well was unbelievable to get third on the grid like yeah that was very exciting to watch was. I, I think a big part of it was that he just gambled on being the first to switch to slicks and as a result he had like a lap or two more than anyone else to prepare the tires but even so like yeah. the lap he put well, in and was, just the knowledge as well like yeah. being on that track for that extra lap just gives you all that extra knowledge about how where the grip is, where it isn't, and and how the track's evolving to suit those those slick tires, and yeah, he, he knew exactly where the limit was for himself. Mm-hmm. I think he did the best that he could with the equipment that he had on the day, and yeah, yeah, did did really well to qualify third. Once again, he's out qualified his future teammate in a in a lesser car. Yeah, yeah. just mad. so excited for next year. Absolutely mad. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Never mind, they're next year. So to go back to the front, obviously a great result for Hamilton to win that. It was a race we always expected Mercedes to be good at. Yeah. That being said, Verstappen went and finished second. Um, started last after the engine change we expected and the penalty for Monza. Um, like, I think... It, he made like I would say like solid progress, but nothing spectacular through the field. Kind of in the early stage mm-hmm. of the race, um, he basically like munched through his hard tires as fast as everyone else got through their mediums in that first stint because he was pushing so hard to try and make positions. But then again, that circuit is like a nailed on one stopper anyway. Like you could easily do a two medium stint at that circuit. It's only the rules that mean they do anything yeah. other than that. Um, he was seventh actually when the rain came because he actually got overtaken mm-hmm. by Alonso just before the rain came. Alonso came back at him and managed to uh, pass him into turn one. Um, 
but then he made the call to switch to Inters himself um, a lap 48, which was, he was in the, as I say, Bottas was the very first to do it. He was in the second bunch on the lap after. Yeah. And basically, he was the first of the second yeah, bunch. Yeah, he was. Crucially, he was the first of the second and, bunch to do it. I mean, he called it perfectly. He absolutely timed it to perfection. Um, he did. I, well, I, be that luck or judgment, there's probably a bit of both going yeah. on. But I mean, yeah, I think definitely because I mean, the team were in it. In it I, I've watched watched his on board and watched the radio, listened to the radio and stuff, and the team were in his ear, sort of saying, "You know, do you think it's time?" It's like a little prod saying, "Oh, do you think it's time for Inters?" Kind of yeah. thing, rather than saying, "We think it's time for Inters." So, I think the way they handle that driver is probably a little bit different from the way a lot of other yeah. engineers handle their drivers, but still amazing, really, really good judgment call. I think he was in the right place at the right time on the track. And I think he did make the right decision yeah. at the right time. There's no doubt about that. Um, if Norris had no luck, then <laughs> Verstappen probably had all the luck. I think with, with all of that, just the way, the way the situation panned out for him just worked out beautifully yeah so, i mean yeah. you could you can understand but so bottas by his own admission was like it was a gamble but he had absolutely nothing to lose at that point verstappen like mm-hmm. did have an amount to lose there so it was yeah but not they came into this race expecting no better than fifth sixth seventh kind of thing so yeah. they were already in position where they're, they're, they're already matching like what they expect and they can only really at that point but he, there was enough of a gap, I think, at that point behind Verstappen that he could have quite easily sort of made up any positions that he lost. Yeah, if, possibly. If he, if he lost any. But I guess, you know, in, in a championship this close, if you get that wrong and get no points, that's like going to be a dent. It was yeah. It was an inconsequential yeah. decision to make, I guess. But No, no. Yeah. It wasn't inconsequential. And but... as a result, ended up... Um, finishing second um and as a result the, the positions they were in for most of the race it looked like hamilton was going to take a seven point lead in the championship the way those last few laps panned out means it's only now a two point lead in the championship yeah. and like given how close it's been the whole season like that is hugely significant yeah. for the championship um, that's true but one one thing it does mean though is that he is behind hamilton on points which means he can't just Take him out of the race. <laughs> and, and oh no! Finish the championship ahead of him, can he? Don't so. bait the trolls, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, g- can't wait to read the comments this week. <laughs> but like, given where they started, and given like the relative performance of the two cars at this track, like that race was almost more of a win for Red Bull than it was for Mercedes. Like, there's no way Red Bull would have expected to come away that close to Hamilton in the championship. Like, that is no. a huge result for them. Yeah. It's, it's a coup, like what it is. Yeah. It's an absolute... Like, yeah, uh, how... <laughs> they can't They can't believe they look themselves. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before when we, like, went through the remaining tracks and kind of last judged week, whether they were yeah. Mercedes or Red Bull tracks. Like, Sochi was, like, nailed on Red Bull track. Um, nailed on Mercedes track. Like, they're going to dominate that. And, yeah, to come away with second place and only two points behind is, yeah, massive, massive win for yeah. Red Bull. It's going to be so close for the rest of the year. Yeah. And you should go back and listen to last week. If you're wondering which uh, 
what what we think and who where Red Bull and Mercedes have, have got the edge over each other over the rest of the season. Just go back to next week's episode. Yeah, we, we dared to predict this but... season. <laughs> yeah, stupidly. Yeah, <laughs> a few other drivers to mention. Signs led his first laps for Ferrari after a. It, well, his initial start was pretty poor, but then he just like got sucked along by everybody else in the slipstream and like slid his way into the lead. It was a pre- pretty <laughs> pretty composed uh, first first lost in for him. Um, ran second for most of the race until he was eventually passed by Hamilton. Uh, he hit the same lap as Verstappen, um, which meant again right tires, right time. Exactly, um, right tyres, right time. Yeah, but got back for another podium finish. That's it's got to be what, what four or five podiums he's had for Ferrari now. So, solid old season he's having. Solid. He's beating his team. Man. Yeah, Leclerc was sort of nowhere all weekend. Actually, wasn't really he? Really funk it. I'm pretty sure that was one of my one of us grand. One of us predicted that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you look like Bottas. You look like you wanted to mention something before I mentioned signs. Oh, just right tyres, right time. Oh, used for. Verstappen. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you when you look through the lap chart, when you look through the tyre chart at the end of the race, you can see all the ones that pitted on that lap gained massively, which again, like, just shows you the look involved in that situation. Like, just just by pitting on that lap, the ones that randomly almost elected to pit that lap are the ones that gained so much. You've just reminded me actually of something I saved that I've forgotten about. So the of the lap charts here on lap forty eight and lap fifty three, how many drivers do you think were in the same position on fifty three as they were on forty eight? None. I don't think any were. One. <laughs> One. Yuki Snowder remained in seventeenth place. Oh. Um. Yeah. Like Savage. if you look down, like Verstappen gained five, Bottas gained nine, Raikkonen gained six, Norris lost seven, Perez lost six. Leclerc lost seven. Like <laughs> I've never seen such a rapid change of the order in so few laps before. Yeah, um, yeah let's talk about actually no, Ricardo briefly first. Um, another fairly solid race for Ricardo. Um, again, he sort of made the switch to the Inters at pretty much the right time. I think he could maybe have beat Signs to a podium if not for his slow stop in the first round of pit stops. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was a real shame. That, that. Was a bad stop. Yeah, he really he'd one. really put himself in a good position, and then yeah, like that pit stop undid all of it. But was that the lights thing again? It could have been. Yes. Yeah. It kind of mm. looked like we've got a question about that in the inbox. So save your save your okay. opinions on that for now. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, like another solid race, Ricardo. He definitely seems to be in a good place with that car at the moment. It's getting there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely getting there. There's, the, uh, he says, there's work to do, but it's getting yeah. there. So, right, Bottas. I've written in here maybe the weirdest race of everyone. Um, mm. So he was seventh in qualifying, which is disappointing, given that this is easily his favourite circuit. I think a lot of that was Hamilton's fault because when Hamilton crashed on the pit entry and had to get his nose chained, Bottas had to queue up behind him. So as a result, and then Hamilton pulled forward to let Bottas. It was a whole thing, Hamilton yeah. Back, like, uh, yeah. Crazy. So like, neither of them had any as, as much prep time as anyone else for that final um, stint. Then we had his grid drop. So he took a new engine in Monza, and then all of a sudden, qualified seventh. We're sticking a whole new power unit in. He's going to start well. 
at the back. He actually started like 17th because there were a lot of grid penalties this time. But Mercedes were like, oh, it's a tactical choice to get a new power unit in the pool. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, it was a, so a weird decision that. Now you can, so there's, I've been thinking about a little bit about this and there's a number of ways you can interpret it. Obviously the first obvious interpretation is we'll put him further down the grid to hold Verstappen up. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's where your mind goes straight away. Um, But I think on, on sort of deeper thought about it, like it's possible that they want him to have a bigger pool of engines for the remainder of the season so that he, to give him, the best opportunity to play the support role that he has. So if he's got extra power in his engines, obviously he's going to be that little bit quicker and that could be enough for Bottas to play that extra part in the yeah. races where he might not have otherwise. So there's that tactic. There's there's a whole like range of like tactics that come from it isn't that as, as weird a decision as it seems the whole oh we're putting him near of a stappen on the grid theory it kind of doesn't hold water because like no well a history this season has shown us that bottas isn't very good at keeping Verstappen behind him and that came isn't very true. interested isn't very interested no <laughs> but then also like even if you want to use him as a roadblock for Verstappen, surely the better tactic is still to have him start seventh you know, be up in the point when Verstappen inevitably gets that far up the field, then hold him up. Like, don't completely sacrifice your own yeah. race. Like, I, as as weird decision it is, like, I I don't think there was any like shenanigans going on there. Nah, I don't think so. Either. Like, this wasn't like when they cracked open Massa's gearbox for no reason just so Alonso could swap to the clean side of the grid and all those kind of things. Like, there was none of that going on. I don't think. Um, but then, yeah, so he started back in, I think it was 17th, didn't really move forward much, yeah, something like that. He spent pretty much the whole race just looking at Gasly's rear wing, like not going anywhere out of the points. Yeah. And then, yeah, he was the first to go for Inters and suddenly he finished fifth. (laughs) Like, it was so weird. And the funny thing is, before the race as well, his engineer was like, yeah, top five Valtteri. And then he didn't come close the entire race, and right at the end, top five. Yeah, just mad. Absolutely. I, I, I literally can't even come up with the words to to describe Bottas's race. I think he... he well, his weekend. I think he's... Bottas has shown himself over the last two seasons to be not that good in the wet for a Finnish driver. To yeah. It's quite it's weird, isn't it? As well. But like Turkey last year was nowhere. There was a couple of other wet races last year where he didn't do great. This season, Imola, appalling performance at Imola in the wet. Um, and then you're qualifying in the wet here again, just not looking. Re- I mean, yeah, fair enough. There was the issue with, with the other car, but still, I think he could have done better. And then in the race, just in the race proper, he's just, I think when he's in the dirty air, he just really struggles with the grip level. Yeah. Like, and he's found himself in the dirty air quite a lot this season. It's no secret that the Mercedes, 
isn't a car that enjoys being the dirty air as much as most other cars, but Hamilton seems to... Like, he still struggles at times. He did struggle at times in this race, but on the whole, he seems to be able to find ways to work around that a lot more often than Bottas does. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, I, find it, I find it quite difficult to come up with reasons why he's I, I feel like Bottas's heart isn't really fully in it at Mercedes this year I think if we're, if we're gonna you know if we're gonna do this now let's do it like Bottas I think could I think Bottas is faster than what he is pushing himself to be I think he needs to push himself harder and be a faster driver I think he's not interested in saving he's not interested in being the number two driver to Hamilton. I think he's done that for long enough and now his contract's up and now I think all season he's known probably that yeah. his the, the gig was up at Mercedes. And he's sort of like, well, why should I why should I kill myself over second place at best? And why on earth should I help someone else get a world championship? Valtteri Bottas is definitely not the sort of person who's interested in helping someone else. Win yeah, a world like as much as like he gets branded with this wingman thing, like I don't buy no. that. I don't think that he is. I think if he was, it'd be quicker. There's certainly and been... he'd care more. It'd do it'd be harder to get back. There's certainly been times where he has played the team game, but yeah, like there's been multiple times this season where the staffers come up behind him and he's just not like defensive driving isn't Bottas's strongest suit anyway, but like he's not I think the real the real giveaway was at the end of the Italian Grand Prix where um he looked at and it's become obviously it's become the most hilarious meme. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. It's so good that meme. It, he looks over his shoulder, sees the red bull on top of his teammates Mercedes, and it just says, Well that's unfortunate. <laughs> so good. And then grins it's to the cameraman. So good. Like that's that to me is just so so like the smirk on his face, everything about that just says, Well, <laughs> don't give a <laughs> you know? um, Jeff in the Discord has already said that he's going to uh, have to Photoshop some uh, alpha overalls onto that image for next season just so we can keep using that meme next season. Yeah, big time. Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new Lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the weed whacker, as well as the crop reviver toner and their crop preserver deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide. And that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Uh, who else to talk about? Let's talk about Alonso, who... Oh my God! Entirely premeditatedly just completely misturned to and gained two positions in the process. And... It was premeditated because on the laps to the grid, he was practicing doing it. Yeah, 
absolutely outrageous. Like, I can't believe he's got away with it. The only reason he's got away with it as well is because he didn't break into turn it's one. So like, we, funny. He did break, but he didn't break anything like as much as someone who was going to make the turn and did. It looked- he just came out of the brakes and just went for the... Oh my god, like, just ridiculous. It, it looked to me as well like the polystyrene bollards I have to go through weren't as tight this year. Maybe after what science happened to science last year. I yeah, don't maybe. think they were quite as tight to get through, so he was just, like, near flat out through them. Like, yeah. he gained, so, like, he came out of the corner in third, but because he obviously came on to turn three slow and everyone else, he lost two more positions, but it was still a net gain yeah. of two. But he let them through. He let them through. It was... He, he let those... So, so he effectively gained four positions and then lost two positions yeah. to very cleverly allow the two drivers that were ahead of him as they went into the corner, but... the position back. <laughs> but because because nobody else was turning into the... The other two that he went by, Hamilton and Vett, no, Hamilton and who? Oh, who will it have been at that point? I can't Some, Hamilton and someone. They He didn't have to give that position back to them because they weren't turning into the corner at the point. His nose was ahead just before the turn-in point. So he got away with it. It's, I, it's I, hilarious. It's just, I mean, I've read a lot over the last few weeks about sort of the, the turn one thing and the, the lap one thing mm-hmm. and how... So you get away with a lot more and how certain drivers are taking full advantage of that and other drivers are not. And there's also, you know, there was Alonso himself said earlier in the year that he's lost out by playing by the rules. And so he's clearly decided, well, not going to play by the rules anymore. You know, he's clearly like (laughs) looked at the rules around it. Yeah. Was confident he could get away with it. Practiced it on the laps of the grid. Yeah. And then executed the plan flawlessly. Like, yeah. I think so there funny. might be a clarification in order. I think for the there next might race. be as well, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Absolutely, it was absolutely out. the brazenness of it yeah. as well is what makes me laugh so much. The fact that he he literally was just he had it in mind the entire time. Everyone knew they even the commentary had pointed out they that he was going to yeah. do it. And sure enough, he goes and does it and Games and if he, I mean, fair play to the. If bloke. you watch the start as well, stuff. like you can see him like jostling his way to the left-hand side to be in the position to do it as yeah. well. So, like, good. I haven't seen any interviews with him, but I don't doubt for a second as well. If someone asked him, he'd have been like, "Yeah, it was a plan all along." He would have had such a smirk. Oh, on yeah. I can just picture the smirk on his face. Um, he had a good race actually. Like, he kept up with Perez for most of the race. He managed to pass Verstappen um, on pace pretty late on. Um, yeah. And in those like initial change, initial changeable conditions when he first started speeding with rain, he was maybe the fastest person on track. Like he was flying in those few laps. Mm. He would made it up to third, but he was another one who stayed out on slicks a lap or two yeah. too long and ended up dropping to too sixth in the end. But right tires, right time. Mm-hmm. Well, wrong tires, wrong time for a long time. We've definitely got the title of this week's episode nailed on, haven't we? <laughs> Oh, yeah, 100%. That was always going to be. Always going to be. Um, we've already mentioned Russell. Anyone else to mention? Uh, nothing st- Nothing comes to mind, really, to be honest. That I've... That I, it, there was just so much going there on. There was. That, those first couple of laps were dizzying. And then it was a fantastic race all the way up it to really was. the point that it rained. It was, it was still a great race then. You never really knew quite... 
who was where and who was going to finish where and who was on what strategy through the entire thing, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely before it rained, it's definitely not one of those races that you'd want to watch as a brand new spectator to Formula One, because it would have been really difficult to keep track of what was even happening. I think, I think, I remember the old days where, you know, everyone was on different fuel and you didn't know what people's pit strategies were going to be. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Like you never quite knew what was going on. And and there's a there comes a point where you like to at least be able to fathom what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Track. There was a bit of that, like not that it wasn't a great race. Like I do love an unpredictable race. And this was it, it, it was a fantastic race. It was brilliant. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. It was like the old fuel uh, refueling days when you'd be like, "Oh, he's in fourth, but he's actually first, and he's in sixth, but he's actually second. And like, yeah, there was a lot of that. That's going what it was on. like. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, the, like the net positions definitely because a lot of the guys were there were there were a lot of different strategies flying around. So at the point that Hamilton was, I think, second behind Norris. No, it was like. So like seventh behind Norris in sixth, maybe, and there was a big gaggle of them up ahead yeah. in front, including Perez, Alonso, um, few others. And m- my girlfriend was watching it and was like, "Oh, so who's winning?" I was like, "Well, <laughs> Perez is in first, but he's not going to win." <laughs> yeah, I got very good at adding twenty four, twenty five seconds onto other times yeah. in order to work out the yeah, order. Yeah, but you know. We've we've been crying out for a long time for unpredictable races, and yeah, Russia delivered. We've had a few this year. Totally delivered. Yeah, we have, we have. Yeah, but definitely, I would say this race is up there for me for one of one of the races of. I think come the season review at the end, I think it's going to have to be a hell of a running of races. Oh yeah, to to beat this now because that was that was. It's going to be hard to pick a best race this season. Yeah, it really is. Um, not ironically, Sochi finally gets a good race like the year before it loses F1 as well, but there we yeah. go. Before it goes the way of Valencia Street Circuit. Um, right. Driver of the day. The official one was obviously Norris. It was. Um, I think Verstappen's a shoe-in for driver of the day. I think the decisions he made and the, the damage limitation was basically maximum damage limitation. Um, also, Hamilton is because it was very difficult conditions and he, they had to make the call. They had to have a bit of a gamble mm-hmm. to hopefully win the race. They had to make the right decisions to remember who they were actually racing and think of the big picture. So... There's a lot of candidates for driver of the day, I think. There are. I think it's easier to point out the ones that aren't (laughs) eligible for driver of the day than it is the ones that are for a change. Like, my heart says Norris, but I think I don't know if I can give it to him. Like, as good as he was, and he was exceptional, I actually, I also think he's had much better races this season. He's had a lot of very good drives this season, and like that was up there. But I don't think he was necessarily his best drive. It, it was, it was, it was the best drive. I think it was the best drive he's had all season up until the point that it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know? But then like, are, I, we, are we gonna? Well, I was gonna say, are we really gonna take drive of the day away from someone because they made one poor choice for one lap? But then again, yeah, we've done that plenty we've, of times we've, before. We've, we've done that before. Yeah, and if we're sticking know, like, to our own logic and not being Norris fanboys, which we've struggled with a bit this episode, but 
honestly, I think for me, it might be signs. I think signs absolutely maximized that race. I think he got absolutely everything that was possible to get out of that. Signs. Wow, that's a whole curveball. Yeah, for me. Like, I never one of the few you didn't mention, but it might signs, be signs for me. Again, like made the right decision at the made the made the correct was on the was on the right tires at the right time. Mm-hmm. I think the driver of the day has to go to whoever was on the right tires at the right yeah. time. Hamilton was not on the right tires at the right time. There's no doubt about that for me. I think he should he should. I mean, history shows he should have been a lap sooner. Mm-hmm. It would have made his life a lot easier if he come a lap sooner. Um. Norris, sadly, as much as I'd love to give it to Norris, I think if he won, if he if Norris wins this race, then oh, it wouldn't have been a day, question, unquestionable. But I think the fact that, and to be fair, they were they weren't maybe playing with the quite the same amount of um, the same amount of information as what some of the other teams might have been. The look was a factor. Because it, it, I would be going against our own logic to give Norris drive. Yeah, I'd be same. breaking my own rules to give Norris. That's kind of what I think, I think as well, today, and I think for... which is a shame. I, I would love to give. I would. Don't get me wrong. I would love to give Norris drive of the day for that, for that drive today. I think he deserves it. But drive of the day on this podcast is not a consolation prize. <laughs> it is. It's legit. Like you have to earn drive of the day when when we do this i would say i think overall historically we have given it to the person who deserves it the most and who's earned it and you don't earn it by by being on the wrong tires yeah. all the time i'm afraid it's, it's so hard and it's really 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 harsh of me to say but no i kind of begrudgingly agree with you and then i think verstappen you can't give it to for kind of the opposite reason like he made the perfect choice at that moment but I think in the race before that, he maybe was a little disappointed. Maybe didn't make as much progress through the field as you'd have expected mm. him to. Like, still very good drive, but I think I expected a little more than him, uh, a little more from him. Mm. Um, I I can't see past Verstappen. Really? Yeah, I think even going though- from twentieth on the grid to second position. So, I mean, obviously that doesn't tell the whole story. I think that and the fact that they, there maybe was a little bit of luck involved, but they did put the correct tyres on but at the right time. But then before that, he to, to labour a point. Before that, he'd got up as far as seventh and he'd just been overtaken by Alonso in the second fastest car on the grid. Yeah, but the, and I don't, I expected more of him. Well, no, because his tyres were gone by then. Well, he'd it, it, done so much by then. That he, he shouldn't have taken as much out of his tyres then, should he? Yeah, but if he, if he wouldn't have been there, if he'd taken less well, out of his tyres. Oh, we're not going to agree. We're not, we're not going to agree today. We're going to... Oh, my goodness. We need to get a casting vote. What's going to happen? We need... Right, we need to... to so, who's your... I'm, I'm sticking to my gut feeling and saying signs. We're going to do this in the Discord. The Discord is going to sort this out. Who are you saying right Verstappen? Now. Right here, right now. I'm saying Verstappen. Discord, tell us right now, science or Verstappen. You guys decide. I'm seeing signs. I've seen lots of signs. Lo- oh, lots of Stu. Science, science, science. Oh, oh it's a landslide. <laughs> oh, oh, Verstappen. Where says We've Verstappen? got one Verstappen. One more, two more, a couple more coming. Verstappen, but one Ooh. science. Oh, this is tight. Oh, my goodness. That is very tight. 
One, two, three, four. I think Signs just takes it. Signs has edged it. Just. He's edged it. Just. Um, what about move of the day? Hmm. Well, Alonso into turn one, two, and then <laughs> on to three is probably a candidate, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think uh, Hamilton's pass on Alonso through, through turn three a couple of laps later was a very good one. He was like round the outside of the long left-hander and then sort of really into hard. turn four. Norris's pass on signs for the lead was decent. Yes, that was a good move. That was a solid move. It was kind of textbook, but it was a good move. Ham- Hamilton on Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton outside Alonso uh, near the beginning. I think it was lap two. Yeah, that for me, I think that was quite a crucial move for Hamilton. I, I think he might have dropped off the the DRS tri- train behind um, mm-hmm. behind Russell if he couldn't have got that one done. So that was that was kind of. Key- one of the key components to Hamilton. Yeah, training. I mean, we've seen Hamilton try and overtake Alonso before this season, and it's he doesn't yeah. make it easy. Yeah, and he didn't. You know, he, he went, he pushed pretty. He took up about as much reasonable track as he could have through turn three yeah. in order to try and maintain that position. But Hamilton was just much quicker car, got the job done, which kind of takes credit away <laughs> from yeah. from move of the day. But still, um, it was important move. Alonso's pass on Verstappen towards the end was kind of a lunge from a good way back, but I think yeah. it's that Hamilton on Alonso that I'm leaning to. It's either that or we give it to Alonso for skipping turn two. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of tempted. Counts. Like, like I, I am. Like, I, f- I think it's legit. I think, like, for him to, I mean, it, you know, it depends on the driver. I think the fact that the, dr- the driver that did it isn't really in the hunt for a championship and isn't sort of you know in the context of 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 a season it's probably not going to make much difference to anything then i think it's fine i think if it had been hamilton or verstappen we'd be hearing a lot more about it you'd be hearing a hell of a lot more about it and also i don't think we'd be praising it quite as much either yeah. if either of them had possibly done not no but it's just the, the so, brazenness of it just makes me laugh so much yeah he saw a gap in the rules and he flung his car into it. Yeah, I think why not? Why not, Alonso? Let's do it. Alonso skipping turn two. Why not? Um, and then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Um, so the first one I've written down, you said you missed, which was the fact that they weren't allowed to play the... Um, the Russian national anthem before the race because uh, Russia were naughty in some oh, sports. Of yeah. Um, yeah. So instead, they had a piano at the front of the grid with someone playing. I think it was some Tchaikovsky, which they use at the Olympics whenever a Russian athlete um, won oh. anything, and then had a ballerina standing on the piano doing a little dance, and all the drivers just kind of like stood at the front, standing on the piano, standing on the piano. Yeah. What is it, like a grand piano? Yeah. Well, I guess it was a great. I hope it was a stand-up piano. You wouldn't watch a ballerina <laughs> performance from there, would it? Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Just like the fact- I don't feel that's WTF. That sounds legit. That sounds really cool. It was just kind of out of nowhere. Um, yeah, that was, it was, I think it's more the fact that the drivers are all stood in front of it, kind of just staring at it, like yeah. what's happening. I think it's. I think that's less weird than having a sprinter coming and 
do the sprint pose. That's true, yeah. Sprint race. Oh, yeah. And as Paul's mentioned, the piano was also on a turntable spinning around for good measure. Wow. Okay, that just got way weirder. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's on a turntable spinning around does add a dimensionality to that. That did not exist before when you told that story. So another couple of Discord nominations um, was... <laughs> Hamilton before the race said he might have to come back because he hears there's good skiing there and he's in a place that hosted a Winter Olympics. <laughs> Which is <laughs> a little bit of a silly one. That's a um, Wes has also suggested we give Alonso both uh, move of the day and WTF for the same move, which I'm tempted by. That's good. I like that. Um, I do like that. For an actual one that happened during the race, the Aston Martins coming together was ridiculous. Like, I managed to miss that. It was just very silly. Like, Stroll was really struggling. He was in the uh, sort. It would look like a squeeze. He was at the changeover point, and Stroll was struggling. So Vettel kind of was coming sort of to the outside of him. I don't know if Stroll was trying to squeeze him or just wasn't looking. He but... mustn't have seen him. He mustn't have seen him. Because it was down, it was around the outside, wasn't he? Vettel was coming around the outside. Yeah. So Stroll would have been eyes on stalks, looking at the apex, trying to even mm-hmm. see the apex at that point. Um, it was pretty silly. I don't, think I, I don't think I can give that a WTF. I think that's very circumstantial, I, given the conditions. Yeah, I kind of like the double Alonso one. <laughs> Double Alonso's good. Ballerina's good. Like, multi-dimensional joke ballerina. That's, that's an onion situation. That is. It's got layers. <laughs> but I could go for Alonso. I should do because it's funny not? to give a double award for that. Yeah. Double award. Rare, though. We don't, I don't think we've done many of those. I don't think we've past. ever had something get WTF and another award simultaneously. We've definitely had, like, the same person get driver of the day and move of the day, but we've yeah, never had yeah, WTF yeah. double up with something else. Um... Which takes us into predictions. Um, yes. Starting with us three, uh, Tom got a point for 18 finishes. Uh, I also got a point for 18 finishes, as well as um, the Hamilton win and the Schumacher first DNF. Not as we talked about last week, because the two Hasses came together, but um, <laughs> he was first in all along. And Stu, you also got a point for uh, Hamilton winning. In terms of all you lovely listeners, um, Jose Velasquez, Stephen Scott, and Rob McBee are our top scorers this week. They all got three points. Um, the vast majority of people who entered this week either got one or two points. Um, but interestingly, not a single person had Norris for pole position. No, I saw that there was a lot of people. Lot, it was replete with Mercedes drivers. Yeah. That um, that thing. There was a, there was the odd Verstappen, but it was very very much Mercedes. A lot best. of Bottas understandably at this lot, track a lot of bot a lot of bot um on the overall leaderboard uh, nate everett is top still on 29 points uh, alex taskov and Stu are tied for second on 27 and then there are six people tied for third on 23 25 points including me unbelievably wow chris yeah crept my way clawed yourself i've had a few decent weeks recently quietly crept up Uh, and then tom is two points behind me on 23 so still super duper close wow it's close oh this is going to be close all for the rest of the season i think i think i I can't see anyone running away with it no i think if you if you if you're that high up definitely you've got to keep up you've got to keep up the uh keep up the effort and still Obviously, if you're not, then it's still worth entering every week. Because exactly, yeah. you do have a prize. Still prizes for five out of five every week. 
which we had a few of early in the season, but it's, uh, it's not been a... We've had a few weird races this season and they're not good yeah. for five out of fives, but... Uh, no. But yeah, as always, um, you can go to backthegrid.com where you can um, check out the leaderboard and sign up to enter uh, yeah. next race if you want to. And we will never financially recover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which leads us to finish off. Is uh, Keep me saying now. But stay, but stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Okay, Boat says... That's an interesting name, isn't it? Boat. Yeah, Boat. Uh, is that real? Yeah, a fairly recent... Uh, Joiner to our Discord is Boat. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I was genuinely happy. Boat says, I was genuinely happy to see McLaren fighting for another podium in this race. Do you think McLaren's surge is just a run of form or a Zach Brown and his band <laughs> help them turn a permanent corner? Thanks, guys. I think they're on the road to recovery, for sure. I think they're on the way up. There's definitely a resurgent team, aren't they? Yeah, it's not like... The, the these recent results McLaren have had don't feel like a weird blip. Like you could see this coming over the last couple of years. Like it's you could you've been able to see the progression and um, yeah, yeah. Like Zach Brown and the people he's put in place in that team are very much um, the, the ingredients are there to yeah. make this team to make McLaren great again. Mm-hmm. Let's say, and um, it's starting to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clear to see from the last two races and from to be fair, all season, it's been leading up to sort of very, very strong performances from a car. Yeah, very and much so. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're really, really starting to show their metal now. So like, very excited. We've been for saying this. for a number of weeks now that uh, Norris's first pole position has been coming for a while. And so it wasn't like an enormous surprise when it finally happened. And I think the same is going to go for his first win in the over the next sort of season, I guess. Um, Zach Brown opted to be in um, America for the IndyCar final this weekend, so he nearly missed Norris winning his first race and instead was uh, there to see Peyto Award get taken out on the first lap and not be able to fight for the championship. So, um, oh, great. damned if you do, damned if you don't for Zach Brown this weekend, just gone, yeah, unfortunately. Bad, week, bad weekend for Zach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next question from Jeff. Now that Hamilton has his 100th win, do you think he'll take his fourth engine uh, for a penalty in Turkey since there are also a maximum of seven races left? I do think mm. he's going to take a new engine at some point. Is Turkey a good place to do it? Could be. Could be. He's de- He's always I, been decent. I don't know. There. I think he's. I think you don't want to take it at circuits that you think you've got a chance of winning, though, do you? You don't. The, the tricky part is like the la- given the way the calendar's structured, the later in the season you take it, the more likely you are to have to take it at a circuit where overtaking is more difficult. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if and when they do that. Um, but I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I don't think they're going to do it unless they absolutely have to, which... I think that's the logic at this point. I think it'd be very difficult. If they take it in Turkey, I think that's a bad idea because that's a, a circuit where it's going to be... Diff- Maybe you can overtake at Turkey, but I think they've got a good chance at Turkey, I would say, yeah. given Hamilton's won... There are a couple. I think he's won two races at Turkey at Istanbul Park, um, and he's had some historically very, very good performances at Istanbul yeah. Park. So it would. I don't think 
Hamilton would be very happy no. if they were to do that there. I think if you're going to do it anywhere in your Mercedes, you might think about doing it at Mexico. I was going to say Mexico. Because you're not going to win that. You, you're definitely losing points and you're in damage limitation mode the moment you get there. So there's an argument. There's, there's an argument both sides. There's an argument to say why make your life even more difficult in damage limitation mode. And there's an argument to say, well, if you're not going to win it anyway, you're going to, your engine's not, historically not been the best engine at that circuit. So you might as well give yourself a fresh engine there where your engine can be its absolute maximum and give you the best choice of, of recovery, of recovery mm-hmm. drive. And you can overtake at, um, at Mexico as well. Yeah, as like as if they just set his car up for the race to be able to overtake, sack off qualifying. It's probably it's probably the best candidate, I would say, from what's left. But again, you want to keep the pressure on scoring points, keeping it close as long as you can. You don't want the other side yeah. to be able to pull a lead at any point if you can avoid yeah. it. Well I also think as well it depends how the next couple of races yeah. are going to pan out. I think if they've got if they've got the performance at um in Turkey and they've got the performance in the States, then Definitely, Which the argument you'd expect, would be, given history on those two you, tracks, you would expect Mercedes to be the faster. But you would. I mean, Hamilton's again. The Hamilton effect comes into play at, at both of these circuits. Yeah. Like he's so, phenomenal at Cota. Yeah, he's so good there. So they've got. They're gonna. I think Red Bull. <laughs> if Red Bull beat Mercedes <laughs> at the circuit of the Americas, <laughs> they will win the world championship. <laughs> and next next yeah um russ williams says why didn't mclaren decide for lando that he should come in for inters rather than let him decide uh the team will always have more data from than the driver he claims they didn't know that the rain would get worse i could see it coming how heavy and how heavy it was from my tv set the it's tricky, isn't it? Like the the team have more data and everything, but only one person knows what it feels like driving that car on that circuit, and that's where you've got to balance that decision. Like that's something Jensen Button was always fantastic at was picking the right moment to make that change. Yeah, um, and it's something some drivers, you know, there's a lot of luck involved, but some drivers have always been able to pick that um, better than others, but. It was very interesting to see two teams watching the same weather report predict it so differently, um, yeah. and and the way those two teams interacted with their drivers. Um, I think the biggest clue you get is the the well the 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 driver positions before lap. What was it? Lap forty forty seven forty eight. Forty-seven, and then the the drivers' positions at the end of the race. Yeah, I think there's not a single team on that grid who weren't taking gambles in some form or another. No. Form of whatever, some form or another at that point in the race. Um, look, the race became a lottery. Yeah, you're, that's no one's 100 percent really clear. I think to the grid. Yeah, no one really knows what's what the right tire is at that point, and there was a lot of gambling going on. They just got unlucky. They just made the wrong gamble. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. You don't. You you can have all the technology in the world. You can have the best radars. You can have everything. You don't know what kind of rain you're going to get at a particular point on that circuit. You know the rain could pass within 
10 meters of the racetrack it could go onto the runoff area not actually yeah. go on the racetrack as bad as you expect it to especially storms like that that are sort of really you know confined kind of weather systems yeah. it wasn't like a you know it wasn't like spa where it was just a blanket of rain across the entire circuit for an extended period of time this was a it's one sector really, it wasn't I mean, it? there were weather warnings there were weather yeah there were weather warnings all weekend for isolated showers and storms and that's exactly what it was. It was an isolated shout. I, I, definitely, like the, the the coastal side of the circuit got much more of a soaking than the the the, the sort of more yeah. inland version, inland section of the circuit. It just passed over in such a way that it 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 caught everyone out, and everyone had to think on their feet. And you know, it boils down to where you are on the circuit at what time as well. I think that's part of the reason why Verstappen was able to get away with making the stop when he did. And part part of the thinking is, is just he that they were in such a point on the track where they could see what all the other teams were doing and what was going on, and they had the driver there to to make the decision. Who knows that. You can probably make up a few places if they get this right. And yeah, they were in like the prime position to make that strategy call, whereas McLaren were in the absolute worst possible decision to make the strategy call. And they lost out as a result. I don't think anyone's really to blame with it. We've done it to death. We we really ought to sort of move on to the next one. (laughs) Uh, Let's. uh, Lucy Monaghan, do you think Lando will come back even stronger after this race or will him losing the lead affect him for the next few races? I really hope not as he's been absolutely flying this season. Love to hear your thoughts. Um, It's hard to say. Like he's, He's definitely a driver that sort of wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, And he's... You can see his emotions, like in interviews, more in general than a lot of other drivers. I think. Um, I think McLaren need to make sure that they've got the right people around him saying the right things over the next couple of weeks to get him back to where he needs to be and not let this dwell on him. Because, yeah. like, I think social media could be either a blessing or a curse I, th- I hope for, he's taking a week Lando off Norris. it to be honest because yeah I f- well I think I think I don't know I think Lando's got a good enough following and it seems to be you don't from what I've seen you don't really get it's a very jokey sort of community he's got around him yeah on social media, not really a very critical one you don't see very... that many Lando haters online no you don't so you know hopefully Hopefully, like he he can draw strength from that. I think that's one advantage he's got. Yeah, I hope so. Drivers, he's got such a powerful following on social media that you know they'll not only will the people around him be be sort of helping him out with with with, with the loss, but also everyone on social media. I'm sure there'll be a lot of positive to take on yeah. social media for Lando Norris. I think he'll be just fine. I hope so. And, I, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him absolutely kill it. At the just turn up and win the next one instead. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean. It was hard watching the interviews after the race because it was so obvious that he just didn't want to be there. And like the British media especially were being very like coddling as well. It was all like, oh, Lando, oh no. Like I wish I could give you a hug and stuff. It's like, just leave the guy yeah, alone. I mean, that's just loads of, yeah, yeah. I think that's a it bit. It was all a bit like. Sort of puerile, isn't it? Just, just like let him go and be on his own. Like you, you don't need yeah. to be sticking a microphone under his nose at this point in time. 
Yeah, yeah. Should we do the next one? Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Satellite says, whose first win is going to be more electrifying, George Orlando, and where do you want to see it happen? Hmm. I think... <laughs> Garrett predicts their answers are going to be Silverstone or Bahrain, which <laughs> he's not far off. I think if one of them got their first win at Silverstone, that would be unbelievable. That would be hectic. Yeah. If Lando Norris got. I think Lando Norris is more suited to getting a win at Silverstone. I think it's, it kind of comes down to who's got the most chance of winning more races. I think I'll be much more excited to see right now, this season. I think if 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 Lando wins the next race, which I think is totally possible based on what we've seen. Who, who so even far knows this, this races? Um, you know, the grip level at that next race is going to be an unknown, a massive unknown. Yeah. No one knows what how that's going to turn out. Um, maybe they'll even have rental cars flying around <laughs> the circuit again overnight to try and get the oh, grip level I up. I forgot about that. Um, I could see the next race being just as mixed up and just as crazy as what this one was without even having rain. Yeah. Because it was just so hectic. Unless they've done something to that track, like, you know, it's not going to change in a year. There's barely any running goes on it. Yeah, like I don't know if anything's changed in the last year, but I'd be surprised if they had suddenly found a load more series to go and race there. Yeah, exactly. So Lando could totally win the next race, and I will be off the chain. <laughs> I'll take my top off. <laughs> I would love if Russell turned up at the first race in Bahrain next year and just won straight away. Like that'd be incredible. That'd be hectic. I would love that. It's like, so and much. that'd be just the, you know, that'd be, in the words of Downton Abbey, that'd be just the tonic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why and we have never tired. sounded more English on this podcast. <laughs> oh god! I'm moving us on. Kenzie yeah, asks, Next one. Uh, in your guys' opinion, which one is happier with Sunday's results, Lewis or Max? Oh, Matt, definitely Max. Yeah, I think in the cold light of day, like today, probably Max. <laughs> like today. Like today, yeah. Yeah, I think Max is happier with his result. I think, I mean, it's hard to... That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's hard to be happier than a race winning Formula One, but when you've won a hundred of the buggers, then you know you're not really focused on individual race wins. You're focused on championships, and for the championship, both of these drivers are focused on that. And I think, yeah, for that reason, Max is probably happier. Yeah, I agree. Um, next one, Project F1 asks. Do you think Merck got super lucky with Bottas? Current drop was brutal as he suffered in traffic and wasn't getting anywhere. Perez was actually doing really well until Red Bull pitted him too late and he lost all his ground. Merck also pitted Bottas a touch too early. Well, the reason uh, it looked to me, I thought Red Bull left him out so that they could pit Verstappen because otherwise they would have had to double stack. Who, Perez? Yeah. I'm not really sure. I didn't didn't really see much of Perez in the closing I think closing Perez phase. was slow, because obviously Perez was on the wrong tyre, and he was slowing down, and, and Verstappen was... Verstappen obviously got first call. Catching him a little bit, and Verstappen got first call. Well, he made the call. I think that's part of the reason Verstappen made the call. As yeah. Well. Like, well, if I don't make the call now, they're going to want my teammates coming. Yeah, that's a good point. He's ahead of me. I need to say it, which you haven't really covered that much in this, but there's, you know, there's definitely logic to that. Um... Merck definitely got super lucky with Bottas. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But then who didn't get super lucky and who didn't get super yeah. lucky, you know? Like, it's it's just 
it's, it was a lottery. It was a total lottery. The, the, you know, people got lucky, people got unlucky. Yeah. There's no doubt in fifth place flattered Bottas that race, though, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not denying that. Um, next one. Guy Thompson. I think the new pit stop regulations are starting to ruin races. Why did they change the mid-season and why are so many going wrong? Is it a fault with the wheel guns or just the mechanics getting used to the new tech or lack of? Um, hmm. I think it's sort of all of the above, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, a change mid-season is always a bit unsettling and you always see sort of... <laughs> you know yeah a bit of shakiness after a regulation especially when so many people are involved in 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 the impact of mm-hmm. that change like i agree with the reasoning behind it i do i feel like a lot of people will disagree with me but i do think pit stops got too fast and safety was thrown completely out of the window at the expense uh, like in favor of speed and I think it's right to slow pit stops down a bit. I don't think they've gone about it the right way, and I don't think doing it mid-season was necessarily a good idea either. Yeah, like if hundred percent, if we that. had like loose wheels flying up and down the pit lane all the time, yeah, do something. But like as much as I agree with making them safer, it's also not really a problem that happens all that often. You probably could have reasonably made an argument to wait until next season to make a change. Yeah. And then you could think, think about the way you're going to change it a bit more as well. Yeah. I think definitely they were getting a bit too tech involved. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, there's a reason why we don't have traction control. It's because you want the individual driving the mm-hmm. car to be influencing the motion of the car. And I think I said it at the time when they made the changes, the same applies to to pit stops. Yeah. You don't want the machines to be doing the work. You want the people to be doing the work. So, and now that's what we've got and... As a result, pit stops are going to be slower. Yeah, that's that's the whole yeah. idea, isn't it? So I don't really mind it that much. I think they'll all get used to it. They'll find ways around it. They'll get quicker. Charlotte Taylor says, uh, "Which of Lewis's one hundred wit? Oh my goodness, this is." I did pre-warn you. <laughs> you did, you did, and I didn't give it much thought. Um, <laughs> which of Lewis's? 100 wins was the most impressive. I think Japan 2007 was very impressive and not talked about enough. Which one was the Japan I can say, I'll, I'll be honest, I had to go oh, back. Oh, Fuji. And look, yeah, Fuji in the wet. Against Massa. And he was punted off the track by Massa, but still managed to win. No, that was 2008. Oh, it was 2008. That was their championship year. Um, but it was another wet race at Fuji where I, I feel like a lot of the answers for these are going to be wet races um, because like, yeah. and for me, it's the one that Paul has just mentioned. It's Silverstone 08 where- That was the first one that came to mind just now. Where he just, like he won by over a minute. Like it was, yeah. it was like watching two different leagues. And like as much as Hamilton had done amazing things in his first season- that was very much the race where it's like, wow, this guy is like, this guy is something else. Like he has got something real special. Um, like that's that's the one I always come back to. And obviously there's a hundred to pick from and I'm sure there's some that like aren't coming to mind. But yeah, whenever you mention like Hamilton's best wins, that's always the first one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. I think for me, there was the, there was one in Hungary where I think it was 2009, the year Jensen Button won the championship. Hamilton won in Hungary that year. And that year, that car was just not 
anything like yeah they, they were sort of like they were pretty far down for most of the most of the year they they were never doing really more than fourths fifths sixths kind of thing mm-hmm. and he showed that it was a perfectly it was a dry race it was a normal race normal conditions and he qualified on pole and then he went on to win the race just because he is so dominant at that track and that for me that was one of the best and also i bet like a five on it and <laughs> a bunch of cash yeah <laughs> so 2013 was the same as well when after he'd moved his first season at mercedes when mercedes wasn't all that and he won in hungary again in a car that really wasn't a race winning car and hadn't been the whole season and mm. like that record of having won a race in every single season is like unbelievable that's, I mean, that's why, that's the reason he's got 100 wins is because he's able to win in machinery that just hasn't been up to it from, from time yeah. to time. You know, every, to, to those McLaren years, he, when you think about like McLaren from that world championship to now, so they, they've gone from winning world championships to as soon as they won that world championship with Hamilton, the decline really began mm-hmm. there. Yeah, it did. And then after that, Hamilton left, obviously, and the, and it, and things got worse, and now they're getting better for McLaren. But obviously, Hamilton has gone to Mercedes and just gone up into the stratosphere. Like, there's no arguing that. Yeah, he's, he's killed. And it. Um, this is always like, obviously, there's been lots of content on the internet about Hamilton's hundred wins, and like, if you're silly enough to look into the comments of these things, there's always like yeah, but he's been in the best car for all this time, whatever. There's a lot of like, yeah, but with any Hamilton content. But like, that's the argument against it. Like, yes, he's been in the best car for a number of years now, but he didn't land there by accident. Like, yeah, he turned... got to be the best driver to get in the best car. Yeah, he turned up. He won his sixth ever race. He finished second in his first season, nearly won the title, should have won the title. Won the title mm. in his second year. Even in the following years when his car was not a race winning car, he still won races. So of course he was top of the shopping list when someone like Mercedes turns up. Like you don't just accidentally fall into the best car on the grid. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. You've said it all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've answered that one. That was a good good question, that one. Yeah. Uh, one? Final question this week from Callum Hall. Oh. Uh gentlemen, a short view back to the past. <laughs> Uh, 11 episodes ago, Stu said if Red Bull beat Mercedes at Silverstone, they'll win the championship. A few episodes later, he said if Mercedes beat Red Bull at Monza, they'll win the championship. My question is, if you put a trained monkey in the predictions, who do they say will win and why has prediction become too complicated? Or has prediction become too complicated? And the answer is yes, it is. This has been the hardest season to predict, I think, ever. In fact, it's... Yeah, I think so. Like... Well, let, let's put it... I think... Okay. First of all, Callum, thanks for listening for that long. <laughs> Just 11 episodes ago is legit. That's cool. Um, and we've, had, we've actually had a few questions from Callum over, yeah. the, over the years. Yeah. He's, he's a reg. He's, been quite, he's regular. Um, I think Red Bull were probably going to win at Silverstone, and then they didn't. And I think also... I mean, Monza is kind of like a weird one because it's, it's, Monza was kind of its own thing and has been its own thing yeah. for a while now. It's difficult. Neither to, of them are ever going to win that. Really, obviously, I'm set, and a lot, of, and and also like just to, in case it's not obvious, <laughs> a lot of the time when I'm saying if so and so beats so and so, they will win the championship. I'm 
messing around. Like, Tongue firmly the whole, in cheek. The whole basis, yeah, the whole basis of the joke is that I don't <laughs> know. So, and which which leads to your question, obviously, is 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 predicting becoming too complicated? I don't think predicting can be too complicated. I think I would rather it be very, very difficult to predict the winner of a world championship than it be easy as it be. Exactly, as it be, yeah. Previous few seasons. Um, You'd much rather have it this way. Yeah. It, having said all that, I think if Red Bull beats Mercedes... <laughs> can't help yourself. <laughs> can't help himself. No, I'm messing, I'm messing. I can't. I can't. Um, yeah, I just don't predict it. Like, what... How many races in are we now? Um, it was like what, 15, 16 races 14, in now? 14, 15, 16. Oh, and there's no, still. I, I should know this really, shouldn't I? However many it is, it's a lot, and there's still two points in it. Like, it's ridiculous how close it is. And I honestly can't, unless somebody goes on a really bad run, I can't see that gap stretching to much more than like six or seven at a time. Um, nah, it's going to be. It's going to go. I think it's going to be the tightest of margins for it's this. Definitely going. To the I hope it race. does. It'd be it'd be fantastic if it does. Um, round fifteen was we've 15, had fifteen races, yeah. and round round sixteen is up next. But we have counting. We're the counting podcast. But we have a week off before we get there, so um, no predicting this week. We can all breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, we've had a nice little like sharing circle here to like kind of get over the disappointment and the heartbreak of the race. Some catharsis. Yeah, like Lando fanboyism aside, it was a fantastic race. And I never thought I would be saying that after a Russian Grand Prix. Yet 2021 just keeps on giving, I suppose. Um, But yes, that will do us for this week. Thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us as always, especially our lovely uh, Discord people who've joined us live. We will be back in a week's time to preview the... Turkish. Turkish Grand Prix. We've already discussed this multiple times. The Turkish Grand Prix. We have. It's late. It's a long weekend. It's difficult. <laughs> Carry on. Speaking of things I thought I wouldn't be saying this year, the Turkish Grand Prix is next. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, as always, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those things, just look for Back of the Grid. You can go to backofthegrid.com to uh, contact us through a contact form and also check out the Predictions League. If you want to join us on Discord and get access to lots of other goodies, you can head to patreon.com slash backofthegrid where you can um, join us there. Everyone that joins gets access to the Discord, which uh, I can very much recommend because we have a very fun time on there. And I think that is all the things. So until next week, it is goodbye. Goodbye.